Yesterday was our first preseason game as a football team at Hilo High School, and we played the Campbell Sabres. And we got there, and um, we got there confident, all 27 players and 14 coaches. We had as much as coaches, almost as players. And if you don't know preseason specifically, a lot of academic probation happens. And so people who have not passed the last semester or quarter, um, they cannot play in preseason activity until a couple weeks happens when school starts and they can get out of academic probation by getting a 2.0 or higher. Hilo High is the only school in the state, a public school in the state, that also uh, accepts electives. So in the past when I played, if you had an F in an elective course, right, you can still, but you made 2.0, you still could play the game, not for Hilo High. We uh, actually make it a priority that every class is important, right? And so, so we had some boys, believe it or not, failing photography. Ah, ole, yeah? That kind of stuff. No can, right? We had some boys failing. You guys ready? P.E. Ah, yeah, yeah. We can tell who plays video games and who goes outside these days, right? But you cannot play video game P.E., guys. I just want to let you know that, okay? That's the so, and, and so what happened was, man, it, by the end of the game, the score was 54 to 14. The Sabres won. And you got to imagine. What happened between those four quarters? You got to understand, we had one of the tremendous, like, breakout years last season. We made history, not just for the Big Island, but for state. For, we were the first Outer Island D1 school that won state in the last 20-something years of state being in existence. And then we go and we got a humble pie last night. Can I get a witness, right? And the reality was one of the things that took place in those four quarters was unsportsmanship, all right? So much not with the players, but with the coaches. We had two unsportsmanlike conduct, not from players, but from coaches. Our coaches, the one that's teaching good character, teaching boys to be men, right? Not, not, not just a good group that sings harmonies on bended knees, right? Kind of deal. But the reality, bro, like, like we, had, we had coaches talking back at refs, and, and refs, I mean, talking back at coaches, and then refs running into coaches, and we get penalties, and if we got a third personal uh, foul, that would kick our head coach out for the next game, which would be our first regular game. And so, so what a tremendous deal to see about you. We saw something that was unique. We saw coaches owning their failure at the end of the game. We saw coaches realizing, man, they went too far. And so one of the ways they, they had to address their sin issue was to ask for forgiveness from our head coach. Right? And today we get to a point where we're going to talk about forgiveness. I want you to look at the lens of the world. I want us to see two lens. The first lens of the world, right? I want us to talk about when it comes to forgiveness, we live in a world that is misconstrued or misunderstands this word forgiveness. We live in a world that self-justifies anything and everything, well, because you did this to me, I don't really have to forgive you. But I want us to look at a different lens that matters. We are followers of Christ before anything else. We want to make sure absolutely that our lens, our viewpoint, is not from a worldview position, but a gospel view position. 
We believe in scripture that forgiveness is not a man thing, it's a God thing. Forgiveness comes from God. God is a forgiving God. As we look at Exodus, it's clear that God loves his people, Israel. And because God loves his people, forgiveness exists so that they can be in right fellowship and right relationship with one another. Let me tell you something. When are those times you don't want to talk to your spouse or that someone you're close to? When are those times? When you're mad at them. When you guys get ha-ka-ka. You guys get fight. You guys get fight among each other. That's the worst part. But when is the time you see joy in that relationship? Well, when we have right fellowship. Well, here's the deal. We cannot have right fellowship apart from understanding biblical forgiveness. So we're, we're jumping into the book of Philemon. And this is perfect because we just came out of the book of, say it with me, Acts. For the past three years, we've been going verse by verse to the book of Acts. Thank God we're out of Acts and we're moving forward to better Acts. Can I get a witness, right? Acts of forgiveness, okay? And so here's the joy. Today, we're going to look at this book of Philemon. And this is what you need to look, know about Philemon. Philemon was actually written while Paul was in the book of Acts, chapter 28, where we ended off. So you may say, what happened after chapter 28? Philemon was wrote, written. So Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's writing some prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. All of them were written while Paul were in prison. And it's pretty unique. He writes this around A.D. 61, and it's taken by a man named Tychicus, all right, Tychicus was a messenger for Paul. He also took the letter of Colossians. And so both the book of Philemon and Colossians is all in Colossae. And so Tychicus is in Rome, and he travels all the way to uh, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and he delivers these letters, Colossae and Philemon, to the church of Colossae, and specifically one of the leaders named Philemon. And Paul is writing in this book directly to an individual. Primarily, Paul is writing directly to Philemon. So when we read this text, let's think of this text as a, a first responder. Like, like, let, let's put our shoes in Philemon's uh, boots, right? Let's all oh, slippers over here, right? Slippers. Let's look at it and see what, how Paul directly talks to us in the issue and topic of Forgiveness. A couple things are happening. There's a man named Onesimus. Philemon was a wealthy man, and he was also a slave owner. And this was, this was normal in the day of Asia Minor. And so one of his slaves' name was Onesimus. And Onesimus stole something from Philemon. And then Onesimus travels the globe, and he ends up in Rome, right? By coincidence, I think not. He sees Paul, and Onesimus remembers Paul because Paul is the one that led Philemon to Christ. Therefore, there was a connection in the relationship. Therefore, Paul is writing a letter on behalf of Onesimus to ask Philemon, based on their gospel relationship, brah, forgive Onesimus. Forgive Onesimus. And so we're going to look at, for the next, the whole month, we're going to break down verse by verse what it means to be involved in biblical forgiveness. Ho'omau kao kao. 
Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? We are very gospel-centered, meaning we love talking about Jesus. And number two, we love standing in the reading of God's word because we love talking about Jesus. We believe that the music doesn't just get the attention of our feet, but so does the reading of God's word. again. It says just in the first three verses that Paul, a what? Prisoner for who? Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To who? Philemon, or Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. God, I know it's only three verses. But God, I do know we all are theologically all over the place. And so, Lord, we need theological clarity this morning. And we don't just need words on a page. We need your Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning with these powerful words that come from your breath. You've inspired them. You spoke them into existence. So make them real in our now today. In Jesus' name we pray and we say, Amen. And you may be seated. I really want, it's going to be a real short sermon today, but I really want us to look at two things in relationship between Paul and Philemon. Number one, in verse, chapter, in verse one, we see that Paul was a prisoner of Christ. I want you to understand from Acts 28, this is the only letter that Paul describes himself as a prisoner of Christ. There's four books that Paul addresses as, as, as an apostle, but in this specific book, Philemon, he does not talk about his apostleship. His relationship with Philemon, he is connecting the dots with his suffering for Christ as being a prisoner. So in contextualized words, for us local people, they say, hey, brother, I stay uh, in prison now. That's what he's saying. I ain't in prison now. Why, why is he in prison? Because he's advancing the gospel, and the gospel is offending other religions, specifically Judaism, and therefore he had to go to Rome to appeal to Caesar about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we know in church history, Paul's life ended in Rome. But before it ended, he communicates to Onesimus that, brother, I am in prisoner. And I am not in prisoner because I want murderer, brother. Or I want liar, or I want stealer, or I want cheat, and all that. How, how many of you are one of those in this room or have struggled with that, right? right? Uh, if you haven't raised your hand, you're lying already, so you should raise your hand right now in Jesus' name, right? So, so, so here, here's the joy in this, right? He, he's not in, in chains and in prison because he did an end of those things. He's in chains and he's in prison because he's advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, it, and it's therefore catching feelings among other religions, so he's in jail because of Jesus. And that's what he makes clear. I'm a prisoner. Not a prisoner of stealing, not a prisoner of corruption, but I'm a prisoner of Christ. You got to understand the term Christology. The word Christology is the study of Jesus, the study of the Messiah. And so when he says that he's a prisoner of Christ, he's talking about everything I am is due to Christ. Who was Jesus? Who was Christ? He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah, right? That was the scripture said. He was born of a what? Virgin. That is a miracle, Hawaiians, if you did not know, right? Can no virgin give birth? Hello. You know what I'm saying? Then they got to have one brother and one sister, and they got hoo-hoo, and they have baby. 
That's the way it works over here. Now, if you don't understand my contextualization, poor thing you, okay? You in Hawaii. We speak pidgin over here and all kind of idgins, all right? That's the reality. But that's what happens. That is what happens. We are a prisoner of Jesus. Look, when Jesus was offended, he didn't go straight on Facebook and tell him how much they need to go to hell. You should be convicted about what I said. Some of you do that. You know, when, when, when he was mistreated, he blessed others, right? He fed 5,000. He, he healed the lame. He healed. Jesus did what we would never do in our flesh. Let me say it even better. Jesus did in his flesh what we would never do in our flesh because our flesh is unholy and Jesus is completely holy. Therefore, Jesus is the model of Paul's imprisonment. Could you imagine God demoting himself from the throne to come on this hell hold place we call earth? That's a prison of itself. He was perfect where he was in heaven. And this, take this out. He's still perfect while he, he's, he's here on fallen earth. So Paul is saying, he's connecting the dots with Philemon. He said, brother, I am a prisoner of Jesus. I am in jail. And this is where it all begins. And so, so there is a relationship in the aspect. Paul is speaking directly to Philemon and not the church at large. Right? He's speaking on the issue of forgiveness. Now, we don't see that completely in these three verses, but if we read on in the next few weeks, you will see that completely. But he did two things while he was in prison. Number one, he shared the gospel. Can I get a witness out there, right? He shared the gospel. Paul continually shared the gospel. Because he was in prison, he didn't have that woe is me attitude. Well, I wish my attorney would just shape up and get me out of this hellhole, right? No, no. He looked at his imprisonment as an opportunity to share the gospel. We know this. If you back onto the book of Acts, we see him in Philippi, and him and, him and other people are, are singing praises in prison, right? They're like, who sings when they're in prison? Maybe those who've been there for 20 plus years, right? They're, they're used to it, right? But I mean, they've been beaten. You go read the book of Acts, Right? They've been beaten, they've been spit on, they've been thrown in jail, and then they sing the gospel. There was an earthquake. The earthquake moved the jail cell, opened the door, chains shattered, all that. And then the centurion saw everybody was gone, was about to kill himself, and Paul shouted out, wait! Don't kill yourself, we're right here! And what a glorious picture that, that Paul used his imprisonment in Philippi to share Jesus with that centurion. And the centurion says this, how must I be saved? Perfect question, right? Trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He, he shared the gospel. Acts 28, 30 to 31 reminds us what he shared. He said he lived there two whole years at his what? Own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the what? Kingdom of God and teaching about the who? Lord Jesus Christ with all what? Boldness and without hindrance. Meaning while he was in jail, there were people coming to see him because they heard about Paul's unique gospel presentation. They heard about Judaism. They heard of Greek mythology. But who's this Jesus? 
Who's this Jesus that Paul is proclaiming? And Paul is using everything he has to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the second way he advanced the gospel while he was in prison. Number two, he wrote specific letters. The New Testament, all right, is made up of 27 books. Okay, 14 of those books were letters to churches that Paul planted. And those letters were to encourage the saints to press on in the mission. He even said in Philippians that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what he's saying, as long as I live, I'm going to advance the Jesus of Christ. Hines, listen to me. This is what he's saying. You put me in shackles, you give me pepper pen, I will keep advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what he's saying. All right? He's saying, you take me, you kill me, you cut my head off, you, you crucify me, that's my gain. Why? I get Jesus. Like, like, I want us to understand the victory we have in correct theology. Correct theology, the study of God correctly says this, that we are perfect in Christ. Right? But the opposite is true. Apart from Christ, we nothing. And so, so Paul identified that being a prisoner allowed him to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's proclaiming that to Philemon in love, in grace, in meekness, in humility. Here's a biblical truth for us. One who belongs to Christ. This is true now. One who belongs to Christ will use every circumstance, skill, and resource in order to make much of Jesus. All right, now, now, I am a black and white kind of brother. You know, the, the in-between, that's why I stay out of politics, because there's in-between issues, right? In-between issues need black and white communication, right? right? Now, 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 in grace, in mercy, in everything that God is characteristically, uh, but we fail at that. That's why, for me and my family, we don't pick a Democrat or a Republican or a Tea Party or an independent party. We just pick what we believe holds some core values in our heart. Okay? And, and that's the joy of understanding the gospel. The gospel is not about earthly choosing and picking. The gospel is about choosing Christ and following his way. Paul is a prisoner of Christ, and he said, man, whether I'm in jail whether I'm on a ship that wrecked a couple times, right? Whether I am with crazy natives that no look like me, whatever the case, my goal is to be inspired by Christ to inspire others, to love them to the beauty of Christ. And so we see some great tangible truths of Christ being a prisoner, of Paul being a prisoner of Christ. I want you to see what my mentor says. He says this about a relationship with Christ. He says, as I begin to pursue the life of Christ in the Gospels, I came to a conclusion. Jesus' life on earth revolved around three relationships. First, he walked in intimate fellowship with the Father. Everything he did, he did out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father. Can I get a witness, right? Secondly, he lived his life in community with his disciples. Sharing life with others was the outflow of his relationship with the Father. And lastly, thirdly, he lived his life in engaging and cultivating relationships with people who did not know God at all. So when, when he's saying, man, I, I am a prisoner of Christ, he's really saying this, man, I have an intimate love relationship with the Lord. Everything that I am involved in is a platform for that relationship to be unveiled and revealed 
through my relationship to other relationships. Listen to me. When my, when my wife and I got married in August 8, 2008, right, when my pastor Vance Pittman right here told us this in front of the congregation of 300 people. He said, you know, Zeke and Lane, the greatest thing you bring to this marriage is nothing but an intimate love relationship with the Lord Jesus. Like your, your, your guys' skill level, your beauty, whatever the case is, your, your characteristics, none of that matters primarily apart from our intimate love relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we cannot love each other the way Christ intended us to love each other apart from us experiencing love with Jesus. And so Paul is saying it clear, man, this works on every level. For us to understand the Christ life is to understand the sufferings of Christ, to understand the challenges and, and, and what we go through that we don't see our sufferings and our challenges as the Eeyore, look at me, right? But, but, but where we see our challenges as an opportunity to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ by a relationship with him, a relationship with one another, and a relationship with the world. Look, living life on mission was not limited to Paul's apostleship as well. Look at the text. If it was limited to Paul's life, then why is Paul writing to Philemon? Living life on mission is literally this, that because Jesus has changed our life, the overflow of our hearts and our life is not trying to be good for God, but it's God doing what only God can do in our intimate love relationship with him. Therefore, it's not me trying to be holy, trying to be good, but God, the God man, doing only what he can do, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the only one that is able to do what he can do through us, in us, for the advancement of the gospel of his name. That is Christ. Can you understand what Paul coming from today Paul is radically wrapped up in this concept and reality that he belongs to Jesus and a true believer will see the same theological viewpoint that it's not I who live but now Christ who lives through me not to make more touchdowns to get more houses to get more possessions no so that the name of Jesus would be advanced we can't use Philippians 4.13 out of context every time, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? But understand what's going on in the verse. He's in prison. He's in prison. He's not trying to do all things in Christ. He's not doing that for the sake of all things, for making touchdowns that we see a lot of NFL players using. No, he's doing that to clearly advance the gospel, the explicit gospel of Jesus Christ. And so understanding a prisoner of Christ is to understand Christ. Right? So, so this is what Jesus says the night before he is crucified. John 17 says on your screen, it says, sanctify them in truth. Here's a prayer Jesus is saying. Read John 17 if you get a chance. This is where theologian says in the scriptures that he sweated drops of blood because of the intense agony of his oppression, understanding that he has to take the cross in his humanity. But in his deity, in his lordship, he says this to his father. He says, Lord, sanctify them in what? The truth, not a truth. Remember that, the truth. Your word is what? Truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent what? them into the world. You see how it's not just limited to apostleship? It goes on and says, and for their sake I consecrate myself 
that they also may be what? Sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only. Can I get a witness? Here you go, Hawaiians. We got a hope right here, Hawaiians. Right? But I also for those who will believe in me through their what? Word. And they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they, right? The crazy Polynesians, right? That they, Pupuli people, right? Also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You, me, us, y'all, all right? We are a part of a bigger picture than Ohana Church. It's about a global gospel that advances to the ends of the earth. Paul, a prisoner of Christ, is not simply saying this to just Jews. He's saying this to all of the world. Here is why I have changed. Jesus. But the world will say, this is your best life now. Your best life now is get rich, do this and all that. That is not your best life now. That is your worst life now. You don't need more things. You need Jesus. You need Christ, the Messiah. All right? And look, listen to me. I know it's easier said than done. That's why you got to look at what he says and not what you do. Because what you do will always miss the standard of what he says. That's why we fail. But I love how God does this. God uses our failures. Listen to me. So that we will be a model of grace. That would have been a big clap. A good clap right there for the water break. God uses our failures for us to model his grace. Right? Something we don't deserve. Like, like this is why I heard this on, on, um, on a video this week. He said that grace is, is yes, it's unmerited favor. It's getting what we don't deserve. But the preacher said this, grace is God providing what we could not never provide. Let me say that again. Grace is providing what God, God what we could never provide. God providing what we could never provide. We cannot provide salvation. We cannot provide a way out for people. All we can do is point them to the one who provides salvation for them, and that is Christ. And that's what you got to understand, being a prisoner of Christ. John MacArthur says this about, about this reading. He says, it was for the sake of Christ and through the will of Christ that Paul was a, help me out, prisoner. By mentioning his imprisonment, Paul makes a subtle appeal to Philemon. He sets up his case by saying, in fact, if I can face the harder task, listen, oh, listen to this. If I can face the harder task of being in prison, listen, this hurt. Can you not do the easier one? And I'm going to ask of you, Philemon knew all that Paul had suffered for the cause of Christ. That knowledge was bound to have an effect on his willingness to do what Paul asked of him. And what we're going to know, what is that ask? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Here's a life application. Schedule your gospel conversations on a week-to-week basis. I know most of you, you guys probably come from, not all of you, but majority of you, you went to Hilo High, like me, you know, as much as we love them, many of you aren't, let's just say it, you know, people who went to HPA or Kamehameha academically, all right? We, we, uh, we scored low. When I was going to school, Hilo High was on the lowest. 
academics, okay? Uh, probably not when Auntie Paulette went, you know? You know, um, you know many, many Manao years ago, right? Uh, did I say that correctly, Auntie? I'll take my candy bar later, all right? Uh, so, so yeah, but, here, but here's the deal. Like, like for, for a lot of us, if we limit our understanding of the gospel, listen to me, to how we are, operate in this world, you will be always limiting yourself to Jesus. So, so, so what happens is here, we got to do disciplined things to help us be better. I schedule everything in my life, from football practice to time spent with my kids. I know, I know it sounds weird, to time spent with my wife. Why? Because I am more intentional when I'm in schedule. If we always just wing things through life, we're going to be the most broke people in the world. Because we spend like we spend on everything. Like, the life application is here is that you have to schedule your gospel conversations. So what I do is I live by a 531 standard, right? You guys, many of you know, but it gives a lot of new people. 531 means this. I, ha- I encourage five people a week intentionally. They're scheduled. It's on my calendar. Okay, so Zeke, you know, encourage somebody today. I, 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 I disciple three people a week scheduled. All right, one-on-ones, all right? And then I bless or share the gospel with one person a week, meaning like someone that don't know Jesus at all, okay? That's how I do it. Why, 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 God, why do we have to live intentionally? Because Jesus did. For the Son of Man came down from heaven to do what no other man could do. What it was? Be the propitiation of our sins. Be the substitute of our sin. Why are we so sinful? Because it is our nature, and God realizes that. But his nature is good, holy, righteous, and just. Therefore, listen to me. Come on in. Listen to me. You must understand, okay, that being a prisoner of Christ is experiencing true joy when joy should not be experienced. Mm-hmm. That's soul food all day, Heinz. You need to realize that, that if, 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 if Christ could take the cross, right, then the simple thing of Jesus asking us to share a meal with somebody so that the gospel may be presented, shouldn't that be easy? Right, Philemon, shouldn't that be easy? So we got to schedule ourselves. Number two, and we be Paul. Number two, we see this word partner in Christ. We see it lived out, not technically in the text, but, but it's, it's literally lived out in our three verses today. A couple of names are mentioned in our three verses. We see outside of Paul, we see also in Philemon, we see Timothy, who also knew Philemon, probably from when Philemon came to know Jesus in Ephesus during Paul's last missionary journey. Number two, we also see Philemon's wife, Aphia. We also see his son, Archippus, and we see this lived out in 2 Timothy 2 and Colossians 4, where these names are represented in the churches, and this was a sign of a partnership with Philemon in Christ and with the church of Colossae. The church of Colossae met in Philemon's home. They didn't meet in a structure like us. They had to meet in the home because they lived in a day and an age where they probably couldn't rent out facilities because they would get jacked up for the gospel, literally. They would get hurt. They would get abused and all that. So they met in their home today, specifically in Southeast Asia, South Asia and Asia. There's people that got to meet underground 
Because if they are known that they're worshiping Christ, they may never see another day. All right? They may never see another. That's why us, when we invest in church planning, part of that money goes to underground churches. And that's why we give. We give so that the gospel may advance to the proclamation of the word. Right now, there's, so, there's over 600 unreached people groups. And so if they're unreached, they're without the scriptures. Therefore, they're without the verbal word of God, and there's no missionary there to share Jesus with them. Therefore, Romans 10 cannot be experienced yet. How will they hear if there's no preacher? But we got to invest in the gospel so that people can see partners in Christ, just like they've seen Philemon and, and Paul together and his family. This is key. As we look at Paul's standard of greeting to Philemon, he greeted Philemon and, and, and ended the text with these words. I want you to hear it. Philemon, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I want to break down those words for you. Amen? I want you to see it right here. Grace, all right, is the means for salvation. Right? God providing what we cannot provide, right? That understanding. Like, that's, it's not just God loves us, but God provides salvation for us. But it also says that the result in this text of grace is peace. Peace is the result from salvation. Look at those words. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And then lastly, number three, uh, God is the reason for grace. I want you to go back to that scripture. And I want you to see how this all wraps up in these three points, right? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to the truth. Number one, grace is the means for salvation. Number two, peace is the result from salvation. And number three, God is the reason for grace, all right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Everyone in this room deserves complete annihilation from God. It's being honest. We're all liars. We just lied in church today. Just wanted to be make, that, make that known, right? We all need Jesus, right? And peace is the result of God's grace. Now, 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 I want you to see how God, through Paul, sets up the stage of forgiveness. You don't see the terminology forgiveness. You don't see the word forgiveness at all in this text until you read further down. But Paul sets the stage of forgiveness. How? Because Paul begins the process of reminding Philemon that forgiveness, all right, listen to me, is revealed through Jesus. Listen to me. This is the gospel. I want you to think about the cross. In fact, Dave, would you come up here real quick? This wasn't planned to now. All right, Dave, come up here right now. Benjamin, just jump up right there. All right, let's show everybody how much hops you got over there. Boom, all right? So I want you to see what happens, all right? I want you, one of the greatest things I love doing, I love MMA fighting. Can I get a witness out there, right? So I want you guys to face each other, right? You guys remember when they go in the weigh-in and they all that, you know? And so you got like, like White, you know, Dana White trying to stop everybody, right? Dana White will get knocked, you know? And, uh, but he's on that, but, but, but they have true blood against each other. Like, you said something about his mama. You said something about his mama's mama. You know, and it's just going all, and it's getting whacked in there, right? But I want you to see a face-to-face -face issue of sin, the sin nature, okay? I want you to see that what happens in this realm is, a, is the result of things spiritual. So these two guys look at each other like you guys want to scrap, right? Oh, you're going to smile. That's how you scrap, right on. <laughs> If they get too much Jesus, they don't want to, uh, 
I get too much of But what do you see? They're face in face. This is what happens. Listen to me. All right? Grace and peace, right, is Jesus doing what man cannot do. So pretend that I am a picture of the cross, okay? All right? So if there was no cross there right there in this gap, all there is is hostility. All there is is scraps. All there is is hakaka. All there is is the victim card right here. All there is is playing everything. You think you're the only one suffering. You think you're the only one. That guy has done more bad to me than this guy has done to me. And so we start pointing fingers at the wrong person. Then Ephesians 2 says that Christ did what only Christ could do. All right? There was hostility. And it literally said that Jesus killed the hostility between Jew and Greek. What does that mean? That there was so much tension right here. That literally, it was a picture of a knife cutting that tension down in half. So that, a picture of the veil in the New Testament, the veil pouring in two. A picture of, that's what the cross is. So the cross right here, right? This right here, the cross is bridging the gap, right, that no other man or false deity could do. Jesus went on the cross so that the Gentile and the Jew may have something in common. What is that? That apart from the cross, they're separated from God. But because of the cross, they can bridge in holiness to Christ our King through, listen to me, Jesus. That is the gospel. You cannot live the gospel apart from understanding God's forgiveness through the Jew and the Gentile. Why? Because listen to me. Jesus wins. That's the reality. And listen to me. Some of you are so hardened from sin that this right here is almost impossible because what you're trying to experience is more sin to fix sin versus Christ doing what only he can do through grace. But it's, it's her problem. No, no, it's your problem too. You guys dismiss, go ahead. It, it's, it's, it's the pastor's problem. No, no, it's, it's our problem too. You see, you see, forgiveness is not a, listen to me, forgiveness is not a singular person thing apart from Christ. Listen to me, forgiveness needs an intercessor. See, the reason why we can't forgive because we have nobody to intercede on our behalf. Paul is the picture of Jesus interceding for Philemon and Onesimus. But this is how our culture thinks. This is how our culture thinks. Our culture thinks, oh, we'll see who can scrap better. We'll go, uh, uh, we'll go to uh, Malama Park and we'll go scrap brother, Right? You guys know what malama means? It's the opposite of scrap. You're not even living, it's not even, you're not even living your cultural words. Right? By the way, don't play basketball at Malama Park, because the court don't malama your knees. I'm just gonna ask you that. Alright? Hey, I want you to hear this. You don't need a better wife, a better husband, or you be a better person. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. I want you to see this reality truth. In order for forgiveness to be experienced, 
There needs to be someone who intercedes on someone else's behalf. What is the application for this text? Would you be Jesus in a situation where there's hakaka? That's a question mark. Now let me give you a challenge. Would you be Jesus between two situations? Exclamation point. Period point. Why? Because a lot of people are out there hurting, living in isolation, and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not be better than, because I know it. We can have better things, better possessions. It still doesn't change us. Maybe for some time. We can even come to church and miss out on the totality of the gospel and live just as hellishly as when you walked into the door today. Man, I hope we're like Peter in the gospels where he says he bitterly wept over his sin. Because what comes with bitterness of weeping over our sin is redemption. So how, how should we respond today? Number one, ask for forgiveness. Everyone in this room, ask God for forgiveness. You've disobeyed him. Number two, receive forgiveness. The word says that God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. Number three, you ready? Give forgiveness. Let me tell you something. There's a truth, there's a reality truth out there in movies and other circles that says, don't forgive them for them. Say it with me. Forgive them for you, us. And I want to clearly make sure you understand this. Don't forgive them for the sake of you. Forgive them because of Christ. Christ forgave you. Christ forgave me. Christ forgave us. Give others. And listen to me. Be pornal with as long as you've done your role, good enough. But like literally go out your way to go be pornal with that. Because there's just, I'm a pastor, I get it. People that you help is going to stab you in the back. Maybe not literally, maybe literally, you know. Oh, and that's not just for pastors, it's for people in general. The people you help out the most, is, you know, sometimes you're just not going to get loved back. But we don't love people to get things back, hello. We love people because it's our nature. It's who we are. Aloha. Right? The love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God. You know, and it's the kindness of God that leads every one of us to repentance. And I want us to...